Okay, guys. So today on the podcast, I'm talking to a lawyer. (laughs) But before you run screaming, I promise you are going to love this episode. If you've never heard of her, Rachel Branke is the founder of The Law Talk, which is a legal resource for photographers that has been around since the early days of my business, which is a long time ago now. And ever since its inception, The Law Talk has done an amazing job of making the legal side of things accessible to us as creatives. So since today was the first time that I had the opportunity to talk to Rachel face-to-face and kind of pick her brain about some of the things I had to narrow down like what am I going to what am I going to ask her to talk about? How are we going to bring the most value to this audience uh, as possible? And she <laughs> did not disappoint. We ended up deciding to talk about client education. And although that may not seem on its surface like a specifically legal issue, I think you're going to really appreciate how she weaves the legal and the practical into creating an amazing client experience. So without further ado, I will cue the music and let Rachel take it away. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Rachel Branke, it is great to have you on This Can't Be That Hard. How are you today? Good. I am so excited. I love your podcast. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yay. Well, I... um, Long before my education side of my business started up, I have known you and your business, and I love that we're finally coming together on this because I feel like you and I are like the bad guys in the photography industry. It's like, oh, sales, oh, legal, the stuff that nobody wants to talk about, so... But my suspicion is that this podcast episode is going to get more downloads than a lot because um, so many people are like, yes, I know I need to work on this. And we're going to make it, as I always try and do, as fun and as actionable and like manageable as possible. And that's one of the things that I love about the way that you teach. Um, And yeah, you've been around. You're like a you're a pillar in the industry because, you know, your stuff. Um, but just in case people don't know you and haven't heard of you before, I'm going to hand the mic over to you and have you do a little introduction. Awesome. Well, yes, my name's Rachel Branke. I'm the only one on the interweb. So if you have any questions out of this podcast, feel free to reach out. Uh, I am a business consultant and intellectual property attorney. I still do photography. I did photography at also during law school. That's how I produced the baby, the law talk, which is the go-to legal resource for photographers. I have different legal brands in different industries, but obviously that's the one that's most important for you guys. Talking about the big three of like legal business contracts and copyright. Those are the big areas that photographers have questions about. And I love it. I absolutely love working with photographers and creatives. I am. It's something, you know, we were talking pre-roll and you just alluded to it is that like with sales and legal, it's not 
sexy. It's not fun. But the reality is if you're wanting to be able to continue in business and you're also wanting to have your business to be a supporting actor to your life, right? As much as we love business, we don't want our life to be business. We got to prevent the issues. And so my approach with legal teaching is not just as an attorney, although that's part of it, um, it's so that we can prevent the issues so that we can be focused on our photography, connecting with our clients, not cleaning up issues and making money and not having to spend it on cleaning up stuff later. So as we go through this, just know that I am one of y'all. I get it. I understand. And um, I hope that you enjoy the tips that we're going to bring. One of the uh, phrases that my kids are going to grow up and be like, I can't believe I just said that. I sound like my mother (laughs) is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Like I subscribe to that wholeheartedly in just about every facet of my life where I'm like, okay, what's the worst that could happen now? How do I act now to prevent that from happening? And a lot of things that uh, are sort of the things that we talk about, about business and setting up your systems and setting up yourself and your business legally, properly, all those kinds of things. Um, that is, it's all about like, none of us want to think about what if we got sued or what if we found ourselves in the position of somebody, you know, stealing our work and we're not covered. We don't want to think about what that would feel like. However, thinking about what that would feel like and taking the steps to prevent that from happening hopefully means that we never have to be in the position where we are experiencing that. It's the same thing if we also had <laughs> the one, if we were to make this a trifecta, we would have an accountant on this call. <laughs> no, one, no one would really listen. No offense. To <laughs> exactly. If you set up your you know, the money piece of it as well. But um, but what I was like, oh, 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 Rachel's coming on the show. What do I talk to her about? I wanted to talk about something that I have certainly spent a fair amount of time talking about but that I think you will bring so much more context and richness to the conversation is about client education. So we're really taking it to that, like, how do we set ourselves up for success? How do we prevent the problems that we all know? I mean, we've certainly experienced some of them, but like... We're seeing it in Facebook groups. Or so seen it in Facebook fun. groups. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, they're just full of them. But yes. um, <laughs> but education is, it doesn't seem like... It's like, I already told my client this, or like, I say this in a hundred different places, and yet still our clients don't hear things, or they get mad about something, and we can point to our contract and be like, no, no, you signed this contract. But if they're mad at us, and they leave a crummy Google review, it doesn't, like, where does that leave us, right? So I want to talk today about how you think about client education and how that goes. So I would love for you to kind of kick us off with a little bit of the importance of client education and what that means to you. Well, I want to take a step back on that because before we can get to client education, we have to be educated with what we need to know, right? And right. I think that's where the law talk developed, really. is like I was in law school, I was doing photography, and um, I did weddings for a hot bit, changed really quickly. I have kids, so it was, it was difficult, husband was deployed. Um, I love you wedding photographers, I promise. But um, what, oh, my point with that was I realized that a lot of creatives, so this isn't just photography industry specific, but a lot of creatives or just business people in general 
general don't know what they don't know. So we have to start with our own education. And that's why the Law Talk exists and your podcast. That's why these educators are out there because we've been through it. I've been through it as a photographer and I've also been through it on the side of doing prevention as a lawyer with you guys, but also cleaning up messes. I've been in court. I've stood there, whether it's been copyright or breach of contract stuff. So when going into this, I think it's important that we need to commit to education for ourselves because I think oftentimes there is a disconnect in we want to educate our clients, right? But like you just kind of mentioned, we kind of throw it into a contract, kind of let the contract do the heavy lifting, which, yeah, you should have contracts. But we as the business owners, we as the photographer that's leading our clients, in order to be able to educate them and educate them confidently, we have to know the things. And not even just the legal things, uh, but also what do we want for our business? Because everyone runs photography business differently. I mean, there's like a bell curve. I could generally speak out the main business models that photographers are approaching, but everyone's offerings are different. The people you're serving are different. Your, you know, unique serving position, all of that is completely different in the market. And so we need to remember, first, nail that down for ourselves, what we want and what's important, because that's going to equip us not just with the knowledge to be able to educate our clients, but the confidence in order to be able to educate our our clients. And it's funny, again, the legal and sales is an area that many business owners, again, not exclusive to photographers, is people are a little gun shy. We don't learn about this in school necessarily. Like how do we approach tough conversations or how do we sell? So that's my little soapbox on that. But I want to encourage you if you're thinking, oh yeah, client education, I already know I have to do that. Do, are you really adequately doing it though? Like, are you really equipped to sit down and be able to answer any questions about your contract, et cetera? And I think what's really good and one of the ways that I teach, and especially if you come to me at the law firm, you may show me your contract, but I'll say we need to stop and look, what are your business processes? What are your offerings? Like explain all of this to me so that you're able to explain it and we're able to educate with that. Because it doesn't matter if your clients are repeat clients, right? You may have changed offerings. You may change your business model. Every single time you go to write marketing, your sales, talk to your client, whether it's getting them booked or they're already booked or trying to resolve an issue, we have to start from a place of assuming that they've never heard of us before, that they've never heard, you know, never worked with us before and educate them. Now, I'm not saying sit there and read them like a PowerPoint (laughs) on everything, but we need to kind of go into client education equipped confident and also of the mindset that this client or, you know, whoever's on the other side of the table that we're talking to knows nothing. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way, but of that we, and, and, and you know, it's funny is as you were talking, I was thinking about, I have a tendency to do this as well is that I'll go and speak at conferences and I have to remind myself probably a good chunk of the people in the room don't know who I am. They've never heard me talk about contracts before. So I got to at least do a little brief introduction of the basics and kind of like I did when you asked for me to talk about the law talk of like what the three um, topics are that I hit on at the law talk. It's just a little quick introduction. You don't have to be big, long and drawn out. But anyway, so my point with that again is uh, client education, incredibly important, but you have to get these portions that we just talked about under control in order to, for prevention and figure out what tools to create and how to create them. Oftentimes I will see, um, and I love that you guys are inspired to make a frequently asked questions page or get a contract, et cetera, but that's almost like step two, three, or four 
you have to equip yourself. You got to get the confidence and you have to know how you want to run your business and enter into creating or finding tools that start from the ground up. Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join The Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to The Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscantbethathard.com slash club to sign up. I love this. Um, so would you agree or would you say, because it sounds like this is what you're saying, that really step one in the process is to kind of map out your client journey yeah. from soup to nuts, like from the time that somebody finds you. I know I feel like an old lady saying it, but it's a, it's yeah, a good, that's okay. it's a good <laughs> but the, um, but where someone like yeah. stumbles across you on Instagram all the way to the point where you're sending them their, like your final thank you email or whatever the case may be. I feel like that client journey, if you have never done this, or if you haven't done it in a while, to sit down and bullet out, like, first, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, as granular as you can possibly make it. Is that something that you would agree with or, like, encourage people to do? Yeah. yeah, and not even just for this client education portion, but for using it to determine where there's inefficiencies in your business. Like that approach that you just talked about, I do that when you come to the firm to create contracts. I do that when you guys come to me for business consulting because you feel burnout or you're wanting to get more efficient or create automated processes. That structure you just talked about is like the foundation for almost all the actions that we're going to take in business because, and I get it, like I'm not sitting here in some ivory tower of like, we do it better, but and I understand when you get into the business, you're overwhelmed. There's all these educators. There's all these people telling you things. There's all these tools. And so you're just looking to see, which is good. It's good market research to see what other people are doing. But I think that's where you get distracted. You start looking and see, what does this person's what to wear guide look like? What does this person's frequently asked questions or templated email pack looks like? And we really need to take a step back and think about, and this goes back a little bit to what we mentioned in the very beginning of the episode is where, how do I really picture my business, but also how do I really picture my life? And, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of alluded to it for myself a little bit that when I was doing photography during law school, actually I was doing weddings going into law school. I had to change away from weddings just from the mere fact that my season of life had changed. Right. And it was having to redo that whole process and apply much of what you were just talking about. What is the journey going to look like for me? Does it fit into what I'm doing? It's what's the saying the square peg round hole right. type of deal and I think a lot of times and I'm not I do this too sometimes as well but we're really fear-based and so we're looking at what everyone else is doing and we're not sitting back and so but the other side of that is you may sit and write out your whole client journey like you're talking about as granular as possible um the great thing about being a business owner is we have the power to change that so mm -hmm. if you get into it like it's just a process it's just 
a decision. If you get in and you see friction points, clients push back or you just don't like it, you get to change it. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's so incredible. Um, and if you have a structure, you have a lot more clarity to be able to create the tools, educate the clients, but also decide what you're going to do and change things in the future if you want for your business. Absolutely. This is a question. I mean, I frequently I teach a system and systems when when we talk about like write out your you know, every, every step of the way, that's really all a system is or a workflow, yeah. right? It's, it is a way of like repeating a thing over and over again in the same way so that you're not just like shooting from the hip every time. And when you write out or when one of the questions that I get a lot about my system is somebody will be like thinking about implementing it in their business and they're like, okay, I like this, I like this, but I don't like this one part because it doesn't work for me. And my response is always, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> this is yeah. why you're in business for yourself. I'm not your boss. Like I'm showing you a system that works really well for me. And I can tell you why this piece is important the way it is and why this piece is important the way it is. However, if you try that out, or if you know, because you've been in business for a while or whatever, that like this part isn't going to work for your people or your life or whatever, great, change it. And yeah. I feel like that like I would extrapolate that to all parts of the business that you're running. Um, that's not to say, especially if you're new or if your business isn't working well for you and you're like, well, what's the problem? Like maybe that's a good time to turn and listen to people who have experience with that. Um, you don't, ha- <laughs> you don't have to recreate the wheel for sure. Um, but you know, those friction points are different for everybody. And so being able to build a business and adjust a business and finesse a business over time as you learn what does and doesn't work for you is super important. And actually the example I would give is like with the contract stuff. So I already, you know, showed that if you come to me with, you have a contract, you don't have a contract, like we have them at the law talk, I still want you to sit down and write what your entire process is because you want to make sure that you're going to merge them together. But the other side of that is mirrors exactly what you were just saying is that as your business grows, as your services change, your offerings change, maybe who you're serving changes, right? We're going to have, whether they're little changes or massive quantum leap changes, you're going to also want to adjust your contract. And, you know, we saw this actually during pandemic is that a lot of people realize there were great inefficiencies in their contract. Well, I don't want you guys waiting for another worldwide pandemic to try to fix. <laughs> I don't want another God willing, one. we don't actually have another one of those anytime no. soon. Maybe we should whisper the yeah. word so it's not heard <laughs> and it doesn't happen again. And I know it's still existing. Yes. It's very real. And I'm not trying to downplay it. But one of the if there's a silver lining out of the pandemic, I think. That's something that really illuminated to a lot of business owners because I was slammed the first few months Mm -hmm. because it was, oh my gosh, my contract doesn't have this. It doesn't have that, blah, 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 blah. And I would encourage you not to wait those big issues. So a lot of like what you just said, and I try to implement this in my own businesses and do this with my clients and I encourage this to the law talk, keep like a running list of like the top questions or the big friction points that you're having with your clients. So once you've created the tools, right? And I guess we kind of jumped over the tools. We can talk about them. Obviously contracts is going to be one, what, you know, to educate your clients, but, but fine tuning them based on the top questions you get, the um, friction points, because A, you want to have the the contractual legal protection for Mm -hmm. you, also be all of like client education helps to build buyer's confidence. And I always, not always, but I often hear people say, oh, I'm not getting booked because of my pricing or the market's too saturated. Like those are the two excuses. And I often try to push back and say, 
are you building the buyer's confidence? And it's always like this quizzical look. And it's like, well, if I, the client has to, you know, if I have to question how to get booked with you, if I have to, if I don't know what the process is going to look like, or I have to chase you to give you money, if I have to constantly follow up, then every time a customer has to do that, it's eroding the buyer's confidence. And also most legal issues aren't one major thing. It's a bunch of little things until the, you know, the straw breaks the camel's back. But it is often not major issues. And so keep having these tools, client education in place, making sure it has enough client education, but also fine tuning it so that you can, you know, prevent because that's the whole name of the game is preventing the issues, educating the clients to get them booked, to get them happy with you. You can keep your business going and not having to be playing cleanup all the time. Because one of the top things that I see when people come to me at the law firm when they have a problem is they're stressed out, which I get it, right? Talking to a lawyer is typically no fun, although I try, but it's time, money, and energy you're taking away from your business. And most of the stuff, I can't, most of the stuff could be prevented. And, but it's just really about this process you and I are talking about. It's like getting the tools in place, you know, starting with the granular process of what you want and then fine tuning it. You know, you can't contract away everything. You're not going to prevent all issues, but a good bulk of them could be prevented just through the client education and proper tools. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. So we start by educating ourselves and getting totally clear on what our current process is and how we want to present this to our clients. And then it comes time to educate them, right? So you're getting inquiries, you're Hopefully, if you listen to me ever, getting on the phone with your client, your prospective clients so that you can actually talk to them about this. But that's just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to education. Um, talk to me about your the ways that you like to educate your clients, how you uh, teach your you know, the photographers that you work with, how to educate their clients. What's that process look like to you? So I always try to go from a rule of three. So really important information I want to have in front of the clients a touch point of at least three times, right? So the contract is really a non-negotiable. Anytime you're offering services, selling products, you need to have that in place. It is the center. It's the, it's the legal creation of the relationship, but it's the center of all the expectations as well. And so it's going to serve multiple purposes for you. And I'm not saying use a contract to beat your clients over the head with. It's just to give us that legal foundation so then we can determine, you know, what we want to do next. What boundary do we want to set or how client focused do we want to be? So contract is one of the main ways that I do this. Another one's going to be through um, your website. If you're outlining the process or if you're someone that doesn't include any sort of like booking process or information like that on the website, whatever that guide that you utilize. Some Mm -hmm. people use like an interactive guide on websites, some use PDFs, et cetera. So just some sort of central tool outside of the contract, right? Because the contract's not necessarily going to talk about how to pick the clothes and things like that, you know, or poses, et cetera. Um, This is, this tool is probably going to bridge a little bit of what the contract talks about, but it's going to flesh out a bit more about non-contractual things, but that needs to build the client's confidence and educate them on what to be prepared about. And then the third, which I think is incredibly important, is just the communications you have with your client. Let me give you an example of this. One of the top things that I always see complained about in Facebook groups 
um, is clients are on the horn asking where their photos are like right after this session, okay? So we definitely wanna set the expectation in our guide, whatever method you're using of how long until they're either gonna receive the gallery for download, schedule the proofing session, whatever your business sales model looks like. Also want to have that in the contract as well. You know, it's that's an obligation the photographer is setting and committing to in the contract. But the third tool of that would be your communication. So this would be things like what you verbally tell the client, which I always recommend in, you just mentioned phone call. Whenever I give, say something verbally or important verbally to client to follow up that up in text, right? So in this context of this example, at the end of your session, all right, Johnny, that was a wonderful session. You know, these photographs are going to be ready in approximately three weeks, blah, 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 and probably follow that up with an email. You can either pick or choose the communication method, but by having these three tools in place, we've at least convey the truly important things. And if you notice with this question, not only is it reinforcing the legal expectation and obligation that you have, but it's preventing, hopefully, a client sitting at home going, oh, where's my photos? Oh, no, that photographer's not that great. Then that opens the door for, did she get all the poses? Or no, wait, maybe maybe I don't like the editing and I like what someone else does. It starts to open the door for all these other negative thoughts. So at least three tools to utilize, and those are the key ones that I always look to. And the other side of it, too, is if there's ever a legal issue, we don't just look at contract. We're looking at communications between client and what other education tools that you're using. Absolutely. Because of course, the contract is sort of the most important piece of education in that you can fall back on that legally. But it's also, if we're being honest, the mo- the least likely that someone actually reads through or absorbs. I mean, if someone, I know, I'm not True. saying that that's the right way to go. But when we send a contract to someone and they sign it, if you... First of all, they're doing that at the very beginning of the process of working with you. So let's say that it's two weeks or let's say two months before their session, and then it's two more weeks before they get their images, and then it's another week before you start to hear about a problem. So we're talking about like a three-month span of time. That person isn't going to have perfect recall of what was in your contract. Um, So if you, I always like to break this down into what are the most important things that someone needs to know about working with me? And then also, what are the things that they need to know now in the process? Like your timing of that education. It's like the contract may have all the big important parts, but like to your point, at the end of the session, the next step is, well, when are we going to get our photos? That's the time to re-educate them about that. Um, And I love that you point out like in verbally and in writing, I'm all about like, let's get on the phone with a prospective client. But the second I hang up with the the phone with them, I'm sending them and I tell them this at the beginning. I'm like, hey, you can take notes if you want. But like, don't worry about it, because right after we get off the phone, I'm going to send you all these points and probably more because I'm sure I'm going to forget something and it's all going to be spelled out. So, you know, you will have the chance to look at that in writing. Um, and and I love that. Thing. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I love that because it creates not only is it better because people learn in different ways, right? Like this whole client yeah. education thing. We have to assume that some people are good listeners. Some people like to see things with their eyeballs. Other people will actually read the contract point by point <laughs> every <laughs> once in a while. Um, but we want to like kind of check all of those boxes. And that's incumbent upon us as the business owner. I, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of photographers deal with is they send off a gallery or like they send their photos and they don't hear back immediately from a client. 
And, you know, you were talking about the client, if we haven't educated them properly, once we the, the session is over, they're like, well, I hope everything went well. Um, did I, you know, if we don't reach out to them and maybe if, you know, if sending like a sneak peek image is your thing or just sending that email to be like, your photos look amazing. I'm looking at them on my computer that will buy you so much goodwill Hi. and time. <laughs> like I'll be in touch in two weeks with your, with your edits. Um, but we experience that on the flip side when we send off a gallery and we don't hear anything and we immediately are like, oh no. They hate the photos. Everything is terrible. The world is burning down. And then, you know, two weeks later, they come back and they're like, great, we were on vacation. So we weren't able to look at them. But oh, my God, we love them so much. We're buying your top collection or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, so the things that give us pain, like think about that and how you can prevent that for your client. I think that those are such those are so important in every possible way. It's funny you say that. And I understand um, I'm very unique. I'm an attorney. I do business consulting. So I am also, I can be the best or worst client. When we go places, <laughs> my husband's like, don't, don't, right. don't you do it. But, like, but really though, when I have the consumer hat on, I don't want to have to chase you for information. Sure. I don't want to have to, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, I don't want to chase you to have to pay you. And I actually ran into this of trying to book my own photographers to do stuff for my socials and website. And I'm like, what is going mm -hmm. on here? And I don't think it's nefarious. I don't think it's uncaring photographers. I simply think it's a lack of process or even a fear of trying to follow up. So for example, what you were just saying of sending the gallery and not hearing back, right? That is when I think, look at your workflow. You feel this little fear. Yeah, they might have real world stuff going on, but maybe just nudging them because some clients just aren't going to think, oh, I need to confirm receipt. Sure. I need to send a testimonial. That's on us. And you said it a little bit ago, I don't know what phrasing you used, but in my brain, what landed was it's incumbent upon us as the business owner to lead them, right? Yeah. And actually, if you view this, I mentally picture, especially when we're talking about the communications and the emails, I mentally picture us hand-holding our client, almost like stepping stones in a garden or across the stream from one stone to the next. And that's what your contract does if it's drafted properly by yep. a lawyer. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> also, your guide does that. You may not realize yeah. it. You know, and your communications should be doing that as well. And so, and I think what's important too with what you do and I do is that we're not sitting here trying to sell them anything they don't want. They inquire to us, right? Yeah. We're on the legal side. We're not really offering anything to them or forcing them into anything that they don't want. They also want protection. They're paying money. They're spending time that they're carving out of their lives, coming to do a session, doing the session, et cetera. So we are actually serving them. So I, I would encourage if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, this is a lot more than I thought on the back end. I just want to photograph. Well, you're in a services-based industry, so serve. And these are ways that you can serve and also prevent issues at the same time. I love it. And I think so many people get kind of afraid by like, oh, contracts and all this sort of stuff. It's going to turn my clients off. But what I have found over and over and over again is that the only people that get scared off by you preventing or um, presenting yourself professionally are the people who would who are trying, who are like actively looking for holes to be like, oh, you didn't do this, so I'm not going to pay you or whatever. Like you don't want those clients anyway. Everyone else sees that you show up with a, like a well thought out list of policies and a contract and all that sort of thing. And they 
you are earning their trust with that because they're saying, oh, she's taking her business seriously. She's going to take my family or my wedding or whatever seriously as well. She's not going to ghost me. She's not going to flake on me. Um, I think all of that's really important. Okay. So I have, well, what I love about that is, is that, you know, it's how you approach the contract too. I mean, all of this is about perception, right? A client's perception is their reality. So if you're scared of, and this is circling back around, we said before, if you don't know what's in your contract, you're not confident in it. You're not able to explain it. It's not presented in a positive way. It's not going to be received positively. And I think that's why it's incredibly important I will say a lawyer is not a lawyer is not a lawyer, right? Like they're a lawyer. I represent lawyers because they don't do contracts. They don't know IP, but they're running med- medical malpractice sure. firms and they need help. So finding a lawyer that knows business, knows intellectual property, but also can draft contracts that are readily able to be understood. Right. So when we go to law school, we just learn about contract principles. We don't actually learn like a checklist of you have to have paragraphs with titles and numbers. It, it really is an art form, funny enough, for mm-hmm. lawyers. And But the way that I have found being in this industry for, I won't say how many years, it'll reveal my age, um, <laughs> quite a long time now, is that the way that I draft my contracts that helps to do all the things that we're talking about here and working and building the client confidence is having it in chronological order. That's yeah. why we said earlier, what is your workflow? Because what's the very first thing? How do you get booked? Right. Yeah. And then what happens? You know, how do you schedule the session? Where will the session be? What happens at the session? What happens after the session? And when it's done in such a way in plain language, you don't need these. You don't need stone tablets with goat's blood like written letter, (laughs) you know. And I think sometimes people think that it has to be these scary words or is going to be scary words in order to be legal. And it doesn't have to be. Right. And I actually do love that the legal industry is shifting greatly. Like we're really moving away from shalls into must, right? Shall seems so like Shakespearean, right? Uh, whereas shall and must mean the same thing. They're an obligation in a contract, whereas you would um, have a may, which is optional. Right. You don't necessarily have to do it. So I just share that to say, like, if you have a contract and you're like, oh, I don't think my clients like it. I disagree with what y'all said on the podcast. Evaluate it to make sure that it is in chronological fashion that mirrors your workflow that can readily be understood in plain language and also that you can adequately explain it so that you can, and this is another point. I don't know if we were going to get to this. Oftentimes I think people are afraid when clients ask questions. I mean, maybe it's because I see this in the law talk Facebook group. Uh, Oh my gosh, my client asked this question about, you know, something in the contract. I would rather a client and I want to encourage you all, have the clients ask questions about the contracts before they execute, before you start expending any time, money, and energy on this client, because you want to know, think of it almost like dating and meeting someone in a bar. You want to know the red flags before y'all go home together. Amen. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. And this is like a whole separate conversation, but one of the big ones I feel like is um, model release. Like, a lot of people are like, I don't want to, you know, we'll talk about that later. And it's like, no, 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 no. You need to know where you stand on that. And then you need to make sure that like somebody knows where you stand on that. And if there's friction, you got to work that out before you take them on as a client. Agreed. It's a way harder conversation to have after you've already <laughs> taken a bunch of pictures. So um, I was going to say before, I have a lawyer on the podcast. I have to ask because I know one of the questions that comes up a lot when it comes to legal stuff is this question of, 
Okay, so I'm educating my clients. I don't know what it's going to be, but go ahead and say it. I just know. I'm sure you do. But the, like, I am educating my client in all these different ways. How do I know? I don't want to have a contract that's 35 pages long. How do I know what needs to go in the, in the contract? Like, do you have a magic question or like a checklist of this, these are the things, or how do you, how do you advise people? I mean, obviously the advice is hire a lawyer, but, um, but, but when they're thinking about like contract versus, you know, prep guide versus phone call, whatever, like what goes in the contract? That isn't what I thought you were going to ask. Oh, okay. So I'm pleasantly surprised. No, and I actually wouldn't mind the other question either. But, um, you know, keeping in mind, I already said, we're not going to use contracts to beat our clients over the head. We really want to do it as legal expectations, setting boundaries, building buyer's confidence. But to answer your question, how do we determine what goes in a contract? We want to think, what are we actually going to pursue our client on? This is going to be a really probably funny, stupid example. But I'm probably not going to stick in there. Please don't all wear buffalo plaid shirts. Right. Right? That's not something I'm actually going to go sue my clients on. And that sounds like a stupid example, but it's what came to mind. Sure. Mostly because my laundry is sitting over here and I can see my son's (laughs) buffalo Buffalo plaid shirt. There you go. (laughs) But you know what I mean? So something like that, just start going through and go... So that's part of it. The other part also would be, is this something that is, if the client doesn't follow through on, is it going to gravely impact the level or ability for me to provide the services that are being asked of me? Um, And so, you know, and I think it is a balance. It is a dance, you know, and this is one of the things that it's so funny. I was just in a group yesterday because I love to I love to look at what you guys are asking and discussing because it allows for me to create things for the law talk and articles and all of that. And someone's like, you have to put in there that it's tick season and you don't have Lyme disease. And then I was thinking you'd be opening the door of having to put Lyme disease and snake bite. Like you you can't contract away everything. And that's why we have like general liability language. You right. know, and you also partner that with liability insurance and stuff like that. So, but yeah, to your point, um, in my long-winded fashion, are you actually going to pursue the client legally, or if they do not follow that and you know that direction or that language, is it going to gravely impact your ability um, at all to deliver to the serve. services, or at least the level that you want to deliver? That is awesome. I, that is like, those are two, I want everybody to get a pen and a piece of paper out and like write them down and put them up. And the next time that you're peeking or whatever, then pull out your contract and look at it and say, is everything on here? Do the, does it fall under one of those two things? And am I missing anything? Um, that's super helpful. Let me give a little caveat on that, though. There might be some things that you will put in there that you might not actually pursue the client. I hate this. This is like, I tell you what, girl, the first year of law school, I probably cried every single day. I was also pregnant, so that might have something to do with it. But I cried every day because when I went into law school, I was like, the world is black and white. It is what it is. Really, it's all like We all know it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes you do want to have things in there that may protect you or set a boundary. One of the things I can think of is like late fees for payment. So maybe you take like the initial non-refundable payment, you allow them to pay different balances later. You may, with the checklist that I just gave you, you might think, oh, I'm never going to pursue a client in court over um, a late fee or a late payment, et cetera. But I would encourage you to also look through the lens, ha, 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 um, <laughs> look through the lens of, I'm corny, so corny. Oh, not even same. 
<laughs> That's why we get along well. Yeah. Um, no, but look through the lens of what if you have a client that you're bound to them by contract and you're having to spend all this admin time? I mean, I guess maybe that would fall under point two. Would this impact my ability to deliver services? It could impact your ability to be able to deliver services to other people. If you're having to chase this one client for payment and not having like a penalty or a late fee in order to compensate you for your time and set a boundary for them, it could impact other areas of your business. And yep. so that's that's actually the common example I give of stick something in there, not just something, that sounds so blasé, but like have that in your contract so that it's as a safeguard if you need to enforce it. But guess what? We can waive things in our contract. Yeah. So if a client misses a payment because their dad died, you can hold them to it if you wanted to, but you also don't have to. You can offer customer service. And so I think looking at your contract, and again, those three main points, I guess, that we talked about now is like, what was the first one? Oh, would we pursue the client in court? Will it gravely impact services? And kind of like, what other safeguards do I want to have? Yeah, you could sort of tack onto the beginning of that. If you're looking at a particular item and trying to decide whether you need a contract point about it, you could say, if worst came to worst, like if I was dealing with a horrible client who was like trying to take me to court, would this be something that would be, you know, would this be the tipping point? Um, Yeah, Yeah. that's a super valuable thing because, of course, like I have plenty of points in my contract that I very rarely enforce, but they're there if I need them. I can lean on them. And one of the most common ones, and this is one of the surefire ways I know, but before even reading a whole contract, when I know you guys draft it yourself or get it from a non-lawyer or a lawyer that's never litigated, because there are contract shops that are run by lawyers who have never litigated, um, because you don't have to, right? There's no requirement, but they won't include attorney's fees Mm -hmm. language in there. In majority of states, if not all, you you think from watching TV that if you end up in court, like either your client sues you or you sue them, whoever wins is going to get their attorney's fee for by the loser. And that's not true. Not when it's like a pure breach of contract claim has to be in the contract. And I just had this conversation with a photographer yesterday through the law firm. She was done dirty. And, but the contract that she had, there were some questionable things and there was no attorney's fees. And so we had to have the conversation of girl, you're in the right, you have a legal right, but now you and I are have to have a conversation of, are you going to spend $10,000 to get $10,000? You know what I mean? Or like, is it even worth the cash outlay? Anyways, so that's just, I just don't want that for you all. And I know it's really easy to fall into this idea of, well, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have high profit or it'll never happen to me. Just because you'll never pursue a client doesn't mean that that you won't get, because we can talk about prevention, we can talk about contracts, but what is the one variable we can't control? Other people, People. yep. And so you just don't know what'll happen. So good. Uh, Rachel, this is fantastic. (laughs) I can keep talking for ages, um, and so we'll have to do that again sometime. But uh, in the meantime, I imagine that as uh, as much as we joked at the beginning about how nobody wants to talk about this, my guess is a bunch of people are going to want to come get in touch with you or start to follow you. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, so the law tog, T-H-E-L-A-W-T-O-G.com. We have the Facebook group um, as well as Instagram and Facebook and YouTube are kind of my jam. That's where we put the podcast. But if you're really wanting like interaction with myself and my team, the Facebook group is where we are. If you don't want to post publicly, um, you can also just submit through our website. We're happy to help you. And we have years and years of articles, all the top questions. Uh, so I would strongly encourage if you're someone that is doesn't have a contract, you're, you're newer in business and you're just 
totally freaked out. We are not as scary as it sounds, and we are more than happy to help you uh, figure out, like, the best way to get into it, especially if you're budget conscious. I get that. Like, in the beginning, it's very difficult. You know you need something. You may not have the cash. Uh, We run promos a lot. Uh, We try to help, and we do a lot of giveaways. So just hit us up, and we'll see what we can do. Awesome. So good. All right. Well, have a fantastic day, and I will talk to you soon. Fantastic. Have a good one. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com slash learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.